Today on the show, we have Shalanda Hunter, who is a digital marketing expert, everything from email marketing to social media. You know, it, it's, it's not one channel, two channels, it's like six channels. And then it's like seven things those channels do. And so the buffet just keeps going on and on and on. Someone has to be there to bring those pieces together. This is Devin Gallagher, host of Media on the Radio, and thanks for listening. Th- th- just this week, I've recorded 12 podcasts, so I'm I'm stockpiling podcasts for the ability to then kind of release them over the next three months or so. Many of the stories are of people that started off in law, didn't go to college, but just kind of started off as a PA and worked their way up in the media field or production assistant. Did you go to college for for media or was there a a target that you had in your mind of where you wanted to end up in the field? (laughs) No, (laughs) I did not. I went to school, undergraduate and graduate school, University of Michigan, believing that I was going to be in policy and politics and urban planning and development. So I felt like there would be no greater place to be in policy and um, planning and development uh, than Washington, D.C. So after I graduated from college, I moved to Washington, D.C. And that's the work I did for the first, I would say, decade of my career. I was very focused on strategy, development, policy work. I could say even back then, I've always been interested in kind of how people do what they do. And around, I would say, 2008, I started really focusing on getting involved with web development work. I decided that I would take the concept of exploring, like getting around cities um, as an urban explorer to its own website. Um, so I started a website uh, company, which is a ticket tour ticketing ticket brokering company called the Know It dot com. Now, 2008 doesn't seem like that far behind uh, where we are now, but I mean, Facebook was new, uh, kind of, and um, you know, you really had to hire a web developer or really know how to code like back end, front end to even make a website. Nothing like it is right now. So. My concept was that there would be these nobodies in cities that would be able to help you get around. So I really started by taking my love of, I would say, urban development and urban planning and people learning cities to online platform, right? And so that sparked for me, how do people do this? You know, how do people learn about things? And it was like, well, wait, YouTube was new. So it's like, let's make some videos so that people can see inside of restaurants, right? They, they could, you know, see what that experience is like. Because again, this was even before the foodie movement that we have now where everybody's snapping and taking videos of food and, and, and restaurants and things. It's nothing now, but back then it was, it was something. So from that experience, I really got involved with learning how to get yourself online and how to market what you're doing and your product. And that led me to kind of a deeper study of social media as it was growing, audience cultivation, you know, as it was growing. So my, um, you know, kind of career has definitely been, you know, reignited through something I used to do, but my take on media 
definitely uh, moved into more marketing and audience cultivation online. And that and that's leading me to where I am now, which is uh, in New York City, owning a digital marketing consultancy, Fastlane Interactive, where I, my goal is helping clients to build and grow and earn um, profits from their digital marketing online. Do you see yourself as an early adopter? I do see myself as an early adopter, and, and I still see myself as an early adopter of how, uh, how technologies can be used for so many things that we're doing right now, and particularly uh, more and more in media. It's interesting because I've had this conversation multiple times in the last couple of days about the idea of somebody that's in, interested in technology um, at, on the face of it and what it can do as opposed to how to apply it to other things. And mm-hmm. I think, um, I'm curious, do you have any background in coding or programming? I don't. See, um, to me that's interesting because from my point of view and having done having learned kind of technical skills in video production and in knowing all the you know the ins and the outs of of pro of uh software settings that you have to set up to make sure your project goes well and all that stuff um there's also the creative component component to that but there's also the the project management component to that which which gets kind of what i what i see is that the the people that are actually in that space that can tr- translate or work with technical people in order to create, project manage something through uh, from beginning to end is very rare, I find. Or that there's not a lot of work, people working in that space to develop those types of things. Do you find that? Absolutely, which I think is the value of you know why I built my company. I think uh, that by working in this space and by going in-house and working with organizations and startups, and working in my own company, I understand the disconnect. And you're absolutely right that there's a digital program management. Uh, and and I, I anyway, I can go into a case I have, you know, now for, you know, the shift even in, you know, MBA programs probably needs to be, you know, very focused, more focused now on not so much the CMO as being the goal, but, you know, where is that place for the digital marketing officer now? So I would say the DMO you know, has a future because there are just a lot of tools that need to be put together and they're just, this buffet isn't going to get any smaller. You know, you, if someone says, you know, someone says, do you do social media? You know, it's, it's not one channel, two channels. It's like six channels. And then it's like seven things those channels do. And so the buffet just keeps going on and on and on. And it's, Someone has to be there to bring those pieces together. So when you look at where we're going, because we're not slowing down, it's who's there to put those pieces together and what kind of, you know, resources do we bring in? And that's really where I like to focus my sweet spot of what I'm able to, you know, really bring because people are spending a lot of money. Um, and resources and not getting the results they want. And I think the digital space is getting the, oh, it's too much, oh, it's too busy, we don't need to do that. It really becomes about the management. I think you really hit that, you know, right on the head. I, I, I just, you know, told somebody yesterday we were having a conversation, and it's really not even about, 
I would say a lot of it isn't about a company's competency and what they get wrong. Like a lot of people are really down on Red Lobster, right? Last a uh, few weeks ago with Beyonce, right? They missed this huge opportunity because Beyonce dropped this song. She gave a huge shout out to Red Lobster. They not only didn't respond, but they had the lamest response ever. Um, well, they're managed by agencies, you know, and not to say that large agencies um, are not doing their job, but there's so many. There's that was a perfect example of the cultural mix that's missing in understanding how things are moving. So trying to respond to something on Monday that dropped on Saturday, it was totally out of their league to do because that's not the business that they are in. So look at it like this. Even if you were the best VCR repair person in the world, right? You could fix VCRs like nobody's business. We just don't do VCRs anymore. You know what I mean? So you're never going to be able to, 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 to really prove to us that you're knocking this out the box because the two people that still have VCRs are never going to be the mass market anymore. So you have to move on. So in, in marketing right now, in the digital space right now, if you aren't really dedicated to getting involved to something that's happening now and understanding how to manage that conversation, if you're just not there. You're just not there. And it has nothing to do with your competency. It has nothing to do with Red Lobster having the best biscuits ever. Nothing, none of that, right? It's just you lost that, that game because you are not part of the cultural mix that we have going on right now. Yeah, gotcha. They need to start Instagramming some of those cheesy biscuits, I think. <laughs> well, they might need to hire somebody who's like paying attention to Red Lobster getting dropped on a Saturday night, something yeah. over there. <laughs> yeah. So what's interesting about that too is that there is this, you know, it's, I hate to, to bring up this term because everyone, you know, eye rolls, but millennials, right? So the the dichotomy of, of people that have been in the industry and I've heard, you know, people that work in certain agencies in the government, since I'm in DC, that there's a reluctance for upper level management to even learn word processing that they, that they missed it and they just don't care to learn it. Um, and that, that mindset, if they, if certain people aren't interested in learning word, Microsoft word, how are you going to get them on Pinterest or something else that may be a real viable option for them in terms of marketing, but you know, they're just, they're not going to do it. Whereas, I find, you know, millennials do have kind of a tacit knowledge of of social media and kind of the trends. Just I asked my brother who's eight years younger than me to explain certain new new apps that come out. Really, what are the results you want to get? You know, if you're looking to build your email list, if you're looking to start getting into video marketing, if you're, you know, looking to have something that really sparks engagement, those are all different channels and really all different audience. But if your core audience Let's take a nonprofit organization, right? That an organization has been going for, let's say, 50 years. The majority of their donors are probably, I'm going to say, 65 plus at this point. Does it make sense for them to jump into millennials? I would say it makes sense for them building a donor base with the generation back and really focusing on igniting. Uh, millennials or Gen Xers for advocacy, because those are the things they've been proven to be 
to be good at online, right? What companies do, though, is that they try to make millennials and Gen Xers their new market for donorship. So they spend all this time on data that doesn't support anything that they're saying because they read the data the way they wanted to see it, <laughs> you know? So you have to stop doing things like that. Millennials are wonderful in the workplace because just like you described with your brother, they come with ideas. This is a part of who they are. It's part of DNA. It's like I would have to come up with four passcode locks for a kid today because they, all they've known is an iPad. They could do everything with it more than I could ever do because this is all they've ever known. So they do have a very sharp and fast way of thinking about things. But some industries just aren't going to get millennials until they are able to make the changes that are necessary because their minds focus very differently and it could be very frustrating. You know, I believe a, a digital program manager or someone coming in, you know, like myself, um, or, you know, someone on your team with that competency can help you make those better decisions. Devin, really, a lot of teams are not well built out. You have a lot of people sitting around the table with a lot of skills, but they don't have this skill. And that's a missing component. And I remember watching when I was first out of college and Twitter kind of first started, you know, coming into play and people really started adopting it. Um, at a corporate level, I remember watching CNN and you have this old curmudgeon anchor that would say something like, and now if you want to send me a tweet, go ahead and tweet me like really, really sarcastically and like, you know, being being shoved down his throat, you know. And I think at that point in time, I think it was fine for him to be sarcastic about it and, you know, be curmudgeon. But now it's kind of, we're way beyond that point, I think. I mean, oh, for sure. Let's take it into, you know, media. I've had an opportunity to work, you know, with person, media personalities. I've had an opportunity to work on films, with television shows, uh, you know, recently started working with uh, a film festival. This is a space, you know, the digital pieces are a space that are, are an afterthought. And, and now you're at the table at least midway because there are so many other components that really do rule, you know, the industry. Um, having a client, having clients in the hospitality space, the first people they're going to hire is going to be a PR firm because that is really the bread and butter of how people really do get into bookings and that whole world and space, right? So there's, all these people are trying to bring these things in-house, and they're trying to figure out how to do it, but still keeping a lot of the traditional people at the table. You know, I did this years ago when I was first starting. If you go back and research, really the first social media managers and digital people inside of these large networks were just an intern or someone who, like, knew how to tweet or knew how to do Facebook. Like, they're not these big agency head branding strategist superstars. And there's nuance to it, too. It's interesting, too, because I think a lot of companies and people that, that thought about adopting social media strategies, you know, five years ago or so, maybe got burned by uh, a false prophet because there were a lot of people claiming to be experts when there wasn't really, a, you know, a criteria or a real strategy that you could build because it was so kind of flip floppy. Um, but now there, there really is a lot of a lot of. Um, 
strategy that you can build from it. I'd, I'd like to now get into, you know, what you've been doing currently with the Startup Institute. And, and this kind of ties in directly to, to what we were just talking about in terms of, you know, helping people to give them resources and, and skills uh, in this arena. Oh, right. So uh, recently I became a mentor, which is what they also, you know, call it instructors. Um, at the Startup Institute. The Startup Institute, you know, it's a, it has an eight-week program that helps early career or mid-career um, adults build a technical skills or cultural skills and network to be able to transition their career into the startup and digital environment. So say, for instance, you're a lawyer and you've decided that you want to be in the ego space of a tech company. And um, you need to learn that the language, like what are people talking about? What are net, what are, what happens in this space? And you want to take a curriculum that helps you to understand from a marketing perspective, from a web design perspective. And then the mentoring piece is that you can come to me or an instru- your instructor, your, your mentor to discuss how that, how that works. And, and we understand how that feels because the majority of us have also been in the same seat that a lot of our students um, are sitting in. Yeah, it's interesting because there's a lot of people that are, you know, wanting to create content and content's a really great way in which to to reach an audience to then drive back to a potential service or something else that you're selling. But it it's very intensive and it can take a lot of time and, and expertise to create that. And it's hard to justify sometimes creating meaningful content for social media that you're that you're tweeting out. Um, that that you know when you think about time is money, especially with a startup that that is focused on building something that you know that is their entity that they're going to be selling or hopefully raising money for. So what what would you say is you know if you have an anecdote of trying to balance out the the most kind of the biggest bang for the buck? I'm an audience cultivation person, right? So I really got to say, I speak from that. I, I believe that building, growing, and getting, you know, results online is, is where it starts and begins, be, be, what begins and ends. Audience targeting really gives you an opportunity to have huge insights. And if you don't know who you're talking to, you're going to, you might be talking to the wrong people. I think doing advertising on your social media, particularly now that Facebook has moved into this video marketing, um, I by no means work for Facebook, but I do believe there's a lot of power in the insights that they're able to provide. And once you do this work, you understand that like a lot of the new platforms, like Facebook and Instagram kind of work together, can work together with advertising, but to get into the Twitter game and the Pinterest game and the Snapchat game, there's a reason why Snickers can do Snapchat ads because they cost $30,000 plus a month. So, you, you know what I mean? So if you have to spend so much money to get into this game that the, only the big brands can do, then let them do it. Audience display ads are great. And I also think that getting the bang from your buck out of doing some very, very good lookalike modeling, um, retargeting with Facebook and Instagram, I mean, you just can't beat the results you can get out of doing that work. Now, if you're a product and that social isn't your space, I think nothing's going to ever, you know, be being able to have very strong content and email marketing. You know, I think nothing. nothing. So, I mean, those, those, 
three things, I think, depending on what you're really trying to serve. Um, I think you're not, those three buckets right there are just where, where it is. Can you talk all about a success story that either you had in your career or something through the, the Startup Institute that, you know, that through that program, you saw somebody really take off and apply what, what they learned? I would say that, you know, one of the successes that I've been able to see uh, is working with an organization that was focused on building its email list for its advocacy campaigns. And I was able to see, you know, this group go from no one coming to their page, their landing pages, no one getting involved in their social, to being able to build, you know, over 100,000 emails you know, for their, to start their list off, um, with probably 30 days worth of work. That's the beginning of really building your right audience. And even when they tried to test them by sending them other information, they just were not interested. So that audience was definitely the right audience for what they were building. And again, like I said, it goes back to being able to prove that, you know, how you do, how do you cultivate that audience? And that's, that's the ever-growing problem is that you can't do something once. You have to just keep on doing it. And I think that's, you know, that, that separates the great brands from the good brands. What would you say in terms of, as we're finishing off, um, if you have, you know, millennials coming out of college now or other people that want to get into the digital marketing, social media marketing space, what advice would you give them? Well, I would say that, you know, know that you're needed. And know that um, you have something special. You know, we talk about social media and, and broad terms, and and I do marketing, you know, digital marketing across it. So I'm not just I'm not just in the space of social media, but I do think there's so many opportunities in social um, with advertising and video. Find something that's that's relevant that you can go deep in and a place that allow you to do it, and see where it goes. And I think that there are opportunities in every industry. Just find the best place. I've worked with fashion brands. I've worked with hospitality companies. I've worked with media companies. I've worked with nonprofits at this point. And I'm telling you, when it comes down to it, they all have some of the same challenges. And that's the thing about this world, too. They'll make you think you're crazy, you know, when it starts. Like, no, we're not going to do Snapchat. It'll never go anywhere. Six months later, Snapchat's the new jam, you know, or... No, nobody's ever going to use Periscope. Always listen to for what's new because you can't trust you can't trust that someone won't figure out a way to make this work. Virtual reality, people are like, what are people going to do? They're, everybody can't wear a headset. Everybody can't have Google Cardboard. Next year, everybody will be doing something virtual reality. It's really interesting, and it's really a positive message, actually for young people that want to break in and, and do social media work because there's really, there is a lot of work to do and, and it's, you know, you could, you could start at a company as, you know, a mid-level associate or, or even starting at the bottom and you could really get a lot of pool by just creating a, creating a space for somebody to be able to market that never existed before using tools that are free and that are readily available. That's the part where I'm saying go deep and be really good at what it is you're trying to do so you can figure that out. I mean, a millennial is still going to be a very young person in an office. And the reality is that these things are bigger than you. 
let's just, I'm a Gen Xer, right? I wouldn't retire if I was working in a company and not for myself. But I'm saying I wouldn't retire for another 30, 40 years from now if I didn't want to, right? Um, so it has nothing to do with you. Why would I quit my job, right? So someone who's 60 years old right now, you know, they, they have responsibilities that they need to fulfill in their life. So they've got house and those kids. They're not quitting their job because someone is 23 there doing social media, <laughs> you know, so they're yeah. not going anywhere. That, so you have to realize, again, it has nothing to do with you. Um, but the world is changing and it needs you. And it needs people that can work with other generations and provide value that makes them feel comfortable um, enough to say, I trust that my business can go in this direction. And I do think that, I think when we, the next conversation that needs to probably be had from, I would say, a thought leadership standpoint is how, not so much, it's always like how to communicate with millennials, how to work with millennials. I think millennials might need to figure out how to transition around baby boomers and Gen Xers um, because we're not going anywhere. Well, that's really interesting that you say that because it kind of brings it full circle to what we initially started talking about, which is the the technical side of things and people that are that are into the technical side, but having someone that can really translate and bring everybody to the table and, and project manage it. So maybe, it, like you're saying, the, the millennials definitely have a tacit knowledge of social media, but it is it takes a couple extra steps to actually, actually implement it and get buy-in from everyone to show them that it's going to work. With everything, there's a maturity, you know, that, um, that, you can be, that you've been in rooms, you can make decisions, and you actually have seen things from a, a broader perspective. And so I think that that's just not something anybody at a certain age knows how to do. Um, and so I, I think that that, I think in a startup space, it's very different because most of that space is very young and they've only really worked with people like themselves. So um, there's a lot more confidence in, I would say, what they know and how they do what they do. But a lot of them lose that confidence um, when they have to go and start getting money, you know, or they have to go and figure out how, yeah, to really get money or take that business to the next level and to bring it back to things like the Startup Institute where you have, you know, mentors and instructors like myself, but you also have advisors that um, are, you know, venture capital um, you know, funds and, and, and people that it's a very important component because who you sit across from the table from makes a difference in how those decisions, you know, get translated. Trust me, I don't think a lot of people, Gen X and above, have a hard time admitting they don't know um, <laughs> a lot of this. They don't, they don't have a hard time. What they don't want to do is to get involved and overwhelmed mm -hmm. by everything. Well, great. I really appreciate you taking the time to, to chat with me, and it's been a great conversation. Uh, any final thoughts? Because uh, um, we're actually out of time, but uh, any any final thoughts that you have? I think this is great. You know, I love this conversation. Thank you for having me here. If, you know, anyone wants to know more about what I'm doing, they can go to Fastlane Interactive, and that's 
F-L-I-T-I-M-E-S.com. That's flytimes.com. Shalonda Hunter. And thank you for having me. Great. Thanks for being here. Media on the Radio is recorded at Arlington Independent Media. For more information, visit arlingtonmedia.org. Please subscribe on iTunes to Media on the Radio, where each week it'll send the podcast directly to your phone. You don't have to do anything. It'll just send it right to you. It's so easy. If you can just go to the iTunes page, find Media on the Radio, and just give us four or five stars or six or how many ever you know, that they have, whichever the top number is. And then write a little description about why and how Media on the Radio has helped you in your life. It's changed your life, and it's one of the best podcasts, not only on the topic of media, but just in life. So, great. Thanks.